about a, a topic that I think will be very useful for you in your life. Um, it's something that I'm continually developing myself. So I, I come not as the master you know, to present everything that, that I know, but I'm coming to you to share something that has been on my heart lately, something that I've been trying to get in touch with. And so the title of today's uh, message is simply, So the text we're going to be looking at today is from Psalm chapter 62. This was written by David, and uh, it was at a time when he was under attack from enemies all around, and he wrote this poem, and he wasn't writing it really for other people. He was writing it for himself. He was, he was trying to, to remind himself of what he needed to do. So let's read Psalm chapter 62. It says, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. Let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. Then down in verse 11, he says, God has spoken plainly, and I have heard it many times. Power, O God, belongs to you. Unfailing love, O Lord, is yours. Let's pray real quick. Father God, as we enter into this time of of the, the spoken message, Lord God, I pray that you would just speak to us today. Lord, I pray that we would not just hear and, and, and not just sit and, and, and let one thing wash over us after another and then it just pass away. But Lord God, I pray that you would help us to hear what you're trying to speak to us today. Lord God, I pray that you would anoint my mouth, anoint my mouth to say those things that you would say. Lord, to, to point people to the truth that you're trying to communicate to them today. And Father God, I pray that you would anoint all that are listening in this room or that are watching over the live stream or, or listening on a podcast. Lord God, I pray that they would... They would be uh, filled with the message of the Spirit that, that is given today. Lord, help them to take it to heart so that we can grow closer to you. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, I entitled it, Shh, because it seems like in our world, we, it's just noise everywhere, right? Our, our, our world is filled with noise uh, from, from endless music and chatter. Uh, there's background noise. I mean, even just step out on your front porch in the morning on, on a Saturday and everybody should be sleeping in. But no, you hear, you hear the lawnmowers going down the street. You hear the birds chirping. You hear the siren, you know, running down outer loop or whatever it is. You know, there, there's always some kind of noise going on. And beyond that, we, we don't just sit still, right? If it ever gets too quiet, we have to find some more noise, right? We got to put on the radio. We got to turn it up to 11, right? You know, we got to get everything going. Um, but the, the thing is, um, although we're surrounded by noise, and some of these noises we love, right? Um, you know, one of the things I love is, is those summer noises when you step outside and you can hear the, the cicadas and the tree frogs and all that, and, and you can hear them buzzing in the trees and all that kind of stuff, and you, you just really enjoy it. Or I, I love when you go out on a walk and you get out in the forest and you can just listen to the, to the sounds of nature. And so some of those things are really beautiful. You know, sometimes you, you hear a really beautiful song uh, that expresses something that moves your spirit. Or, or maybe you've got the, 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 the 70s rock just jamming and you're rolling down the road. You know, there's, there's always noise going on in our lives. And, and some of it's pretty noise, but it's all still noise, right? And it can be a distraction. It can keep us uh, from focusing on what we need to focus on. 
in my house, uh, noise has become a little bit of an issue lately. I've noticed it's become something that, that we've uh, that, that, that we've kind of struggled with. Just too uh, recently, um, I've been trying to to go to bed earlier because I want to be well rested and and I want to make sure I get enough sleep. And and that's harder for me to do because I have to get up a, a little bit earlier, at least during the summertime, uh, than Elizabeth and Ben do. So they stay up a little later. I try to go to bed. So I was really struggling because I would hear Ben in there playing on his video games and talking with his friends. Or uh, Elizabeth, she likes to watch TV on her laptop in the bed. And I can't blame her. It's comfortable and it's dark and it's quiet back there. But I'm trying to go to sleep just a couple feet away. And so if I hear the TV on, on the computer, it's hard for me to go to sleep. So just recently I went out and I bought her some headphones. And they go over her ears. And so now she can watch all the TV she wants in the bed. And it doesn't disturb me. It creates some calm and some peace and quiet. I even got the really good ones where when she puts them on, I can't hear a peep. It's awesome. Um, and so that's what bothers me when I'm trying to go to sleep. I have to have that quiet. On the flip side, uh, that doesn't really bother her so much, but it's like little uh, ticky noises or, or, or clips. Or you can, uh, if, you're, if you're clipping a, a fingernail and you can be on the other side of the house, but for somehow she hears it and she's like, are you about finished with that? It's driving me nuts, right? And it's the same thing like with Ben, you know, he, he likes to fidget, you know, so he's constantly tapping on this and banging on that and doing this. And you're like, what are you doing, son? He's like, I don't know. I'm just sitting here, you know, and there'll be there'll be times when and, and I can be like this, too. You know, we'll be sitting down to eat a family dinner and it's like the whole table's bouncing because he's bouncing his leg and I'm bouncing my leg. And it, and you hear that thump, 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 thump the whole time. We'll drive people batty. I know we will. Noise can be an issue and we're all sensitive to it in different ways. Um, but we get so accustomed to noise that it's just, it, it, we, we start to, to feel uncomfortable if it's not around us. In fact, if we ever get to a place where all of a sudden there's silence, it, it sticks out to us, right? How many of you guys, when you were in school, the teacher would be talking and maybe in the back of the class there's some kids chattering or whatever, and then all of a sudden the teacher stops talking and the chatter goes on for a few seconds, but then it, it stops and everybody starts looking around. What's going on? Why is it quiet? Why is she not talking up there? You know, the, the noise and, and the lack of noise can, can stick out to us. We get uncomfortable in silence. How many of you guys have ever negotiated for a car or for a job raise or something like that? If, if you walk up there and, and you, you uh, make an offer or a counter offer and, and the salesman comes back at you, they say the best thing you can do is just stand there and look at them because they can't stand the silence any more than you can. It, you know, they'll come back with that counter offer and, and you just look at them. And eventually they're going to feel like, well, I need to say something. I need to maybe sweeten the deal a little bit. And they'll, they'll start changing their deal just because you were silent and you let them get uncomfortable in that place. Um, there's uh, these things called an anechoic chambers that they're building uh, to test noise and sound. And uh, they're, they're literally, uh, it absorbs so much sound that it goes into the negative decibels. All right, it goes below what humans can actually hear. And, and what's funny is they found that these techs that would work in these rooms, they would, put a, they would put a computer in there and they would let it run and they would try to isolate all the noises inside the, the tech uh, 
uh, thing that's running. Like you can hear the electricity running through the wires and those kinds of things. But these texts that would work in these anechoic chambers, it, they would get like so uncomfortable. Some of them would get claustrophobic. They'd be banging on the doors, let me out of here. Let me, I got I to gotta get out of here. I feel like it's closing in on me. We get uncomfortable in that silence. Some of us don't like silence because we're afraid to be alone with our thoughts for too long, you know? Because we've got a negative thought pattern that maybe it pops up, you know? If we allow ourselves to stop and, and, and think for just a second, well, we start beating ourselves up again. Or we start hearing that voice of, of that bully that, that said something to us when we were a kid. And, and in our heads, we know we shouldn't listen to that. But it's like once you get into that silence, those things, they pop. And you remember, your brain will fire these things. And so silence is not something that we usually like. We usually try to avoid it as much as possible. I mean, seriously, there, there are people who, when they're, uh, when they're working, they'll have a TV going, and they'll have the music playing, and they'll be tapping, and, and they've got all kinds of noise going because they're so afraid of just sitting in silence. But the thing is, we have to get comfortable in that silence. We have to train ourselves to have that silence. And there's a very, very important reason why we have to do that. And that is because God does not usually shout to be heard. Think about it. He could from heaven. He could, he could split the sky open one day. He could make a giant hand appear in the sky like he did to King Darius and write a message on the sky and tell us, hey, I love you guys. He could do that. He could, he could shout it aloud, but he doesn't. Why? Why doesn't he do that? Because we have to, to, to get to a place where we're listening for him. He doesn't want to force himself on us, but he does want to have a relationship with you. So silence, what can it do for us? First of all, silence allows us to hear from God. Most of us, when we're little, little kids, we're taught how to pray, right? They teach us how to pray at night before we go to bed. They teach us how to pray over our, our chicken nuggets and our, our apple juice before we eat that, right? And we pray, and, and what's our prayer consist of? You know, Father God, thank you for this food. Bless it. Help us have a great day. Watch over us. Keep us as asleep. Boom, boom, done. Amen. Move on, right? Start wolfing down the chicken nuggets or, or, or go to bed. You know, whatever it is, we, we say our peace. And then we stop, and then we move on. We don't leave any space for a response. Now, it doesn't make sense when you think about what prayer truly is, right? Prayer is communication with God. We're talking to Him. So if you're going to have communication, there has to be a statement and a response, right? You have to say something, and then you have to listen. Anybody ever talk to somebody who they'll talk, and then they'll ask you a question, and before you can even get two words out of your mouth, they're interrupting you to say the next thing? It's like, dude, if you ask me a question, let me answer, right? Or if I were to call someone on the phone, you know, and, and, and have a conversation, if I called and said, hi, this is John, how you doing? I hope you're doing well. Um, we've got, you know, let's get together for lunch next week. Bye, click. You know, that's not a conversation, if someone did that to you, it'd be infuriating. You'd be like, that, that was so weird, right? And yet we do that to God all the time. We say, hey, God, just checking in, doing great. Thank you. Uh, you know, send me some more money. Uh, make, make my dog get better and see you tomorrow, right? And then we just leave it at that. And so we don't allow space for God to respond back to us. Sometimes we need to pray and then we need to just shut our mouths, Right? Sometimes we just need to be quiet, be still, and give God a chance to speak to you. You want to know why? Because God will speak to you. He's not going to shout, 
but he has to have space in which he can speak. In Luke chapter 1, uh, the angel Gabriel came and he announced to Zechariah while he was working in the, in, the, in the temple. And he said, listen, your, your wife is going to have a child. It's going to be John the Baptist. And, uh, and, and, and you know, this is a child of promise, even though you guys are advanced in years. And, and Zechariah, instead of responding in faith, he responded with doubt. And so what did the angel do? The angel said, hush right? He said, we're going to close your mouth for the next nine months to give you a chance to think about your response, right? Think about what you should have said. Think about what this is really going to mean. You know, don't just start blabbing and and bladder. And we we feel like we have to fill the empty space. Sometimes you just got to let God speak. Um, so, So his mouth was closed. Now here's the problem. When we don't allow God a chance to speak, when we don't create a space for God to speak, we don't put the proper filters in place. Because, see, there's messages coming in all the time. There's messages coming in from from the news. There's messages coming in from the radio. There's messages coming in from our family members. There's messages just coming in all the time. We process so much information. Uh, I forget the number, but the, the amount of information that we process on any given day is just insane. So we have to be careful that we, we're filtering all of that information that's coming in. In Exodus chapter two, 32, we see uh, the, the dangers of not filtering, of not creating a space for God to speak. So in Exodus chapter two, uh, 32, this is where the Israelites, they've come out of Egypt. They're now established as their own people group. They're in the desert, and God has brought them to the base of Mount Sinai. He says, hey, I've got a special message I want to give to you. I want you to come here to the mountain, and I'm going to have Moses come up on the mountain, and I'm going to speak to him. So we have, in this story, we have two brothers. So uh, Moses says uh, to his brother Aaron, says, I've got to go up on the mountain. I've got to talk to God. I've got to listen to him and hear what he has to say for a few minutes, and I'll be back. And he left Aaron with the people. He said, you're in charge while I'm gone. So what happens? Well, Moses' uh, meeting with God goes a little bit longer than planned. Anybody ever been in a meeting that goes a little over and you're sitting there and you're thinking, whoa, what's going on, right? You're thinking, how long am I going to be here? Well, Moses' meeting went really long. He went 40 days long, right? I mean, I've never been in a meeting that long. I'm pretty sure I would be like beating my head against the wall if I were in a 40-day meeting. But Moses wasn't doing that. Why? Because he was in the presence of God. But anyway, the people down in the camp, they started getting frustrated. They started getting impatient. What's going on? I thought he said he was going to go hear from God. Where is he? He probably fell off a cliff. He's probably dead on top of the mountain somewhere. And we're, we're, we're just sitting here twiddling our thumbs. And so what happens? They get impatient. They start complaining. They start saying, what do we do next? And they even say about this Moses guy, we don't know what happened to him. Forget him, right? So they come to Aaron and they say, Aaron, Give us a God to worship. And, and Aaron, you know, he didn't know what to do, right? He's like, well, Moses told me to wait. Moses told me to, to, to wait and see what God had to say. But here, I've got all these people, and they're, they're fussing, and they're impatient, and they're getting angry. And, and what do I do? And so he said, all right, let's collect all the jewelry. We'll throw it in the fire, and we'll make this golden calf that we can worship. And... I mean, as you read the story, you see that that was a huge mistake, right? I mean, because rule number one, that when Moses finally came down off the mountain, was that you shall have no other gods before me. And so because he didn't wait, 
He didn't get all the rules. He was impatient, and it caused him to stumble. In fact, it gave him probably one of the biggest uh, boneheaded statements of the Bible. I loved it when Moses come, comes back, and he says, Dude, what happened here? What, how, how are you guys worshiping a calf when I'm up there trying to talk to God? And Aaron says, uh, Well, I took the gold, and I threw it in the fire, and out came a calf. I'm like, okay, that's a little bit ridiculous. You know, I've always want, uh, wanted to just like find Aaron someday when we're up in heaven and be like, dude, what were you even thinking? Did you think that was going to fly? You know, that's, that's not how it works. But anyway, he, he, he grew impatient. He grew uncomfortable in that silence while he was having to wait. And because of that, he got himself in trouble. And, and so that's why we have to create a place where we can be silent and we can hear from God. You know, if you don't create the space, God can't speak. Not that he can't, but he won't because he's not going to bully us into believing. He's not going to bully us into following him. He wants us to do it because that's what we want, because it's the desire of our heart. We have to cultivate intimacy with God. We have to create a relationship with him where sometimes we can just sit and enjoy his presence. Any of you guys ever been in a worship service like that? There are some worship services where, man, everything's firing, everybody's hopping, everybody's sweating, people are doing whirly jigs in the altar, and, and, and people take off running around the room, and those services are awesome. I love it when we can like take the teenagers to a, a winter fest or a youth camp or something like that, and they get to see that and experience that with other young people, right? Because it's one thing to see the old people act goofy. It's another th thing to see other young people act goofy too, right? And see that, hey, it's okay to worship God and to be that way. And there are some awesome, awesome times in the Lord that I cherish, that I love. I look back on some of those services, and they're high points in my life. But then there are other services where... Nobody's running around, nobody's jumping, nobody's shouting, but there's just a sweet spirit of God in the place. And we listen and we wait. And in that waiting, God speaks to us. See, God does not usually shout to be heard. He's waiting for you to make a space for him. Not too long ago, I was on a road trip with a friend of mine. We were driving several hours, and so for the first few hours, we had plenty of talking to do. You know, we caught up about work and families, and we talked sports and, and several other things, but we got to a place in, in the trip where eventually the conversation just kind of died down. And, and, you know, we're riding in silence, just hearing the buzz of the tires on the road. There's some uh, music playing, but it's kind of turned down because we'd been talking, but it just kind of got quiet in the car. And my friend, he, 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 he tried to like start a conversation about something, but you know the, the conversation kind of faltered and we went quiet again. And there were a few, minute, four, few more minutes and, and he tried to start another conversation on, on another topic and, and that one really didn't take off either. And, and then finally he just said, look, man, I'm sorry. I feel like I should be talking to you and entertaining you because I was the one driving. He was like, I, I don't want you to get sleepy or whatever. He's like, but I feel like we should talk. And I told him, I said, it's okay, man. We've talked. We've caught up. And you know what? We're good enough friends that we can just hang out together. We don't have to say anything. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to do anything special. Just being together is fun, you know? And, and it's got to get that way with God. You know, God doesn't have to always be slapping us around and, and, and doing miraculous things. And, and, and you know, it's, we just got to get to a place where we can just be comfortable in God's presence so that when he does speak, we're not so overwhelmed by all the distractions. So silence allows us to hear from God. The second thing that silence allows us to do is it enables us to pour into others. How many of you guys have heard the old saying that you can't pour from an empty glass, right? 
You can't pour from an empty glass. I mean, it just makes sense. It's common sense. This is supposed to be wisdom, right? No, I mean, that's just common sense. You can't pour from an empty glass. But this saying is supposed to mean that you have to take care of yourself first, right? Um, when we go through our first aid and CPR training, uh, one of the first things they tell you is they say, before you, if you see someone passed out on the floor, before you run up and you start trying to help them, first check the scene, all right? Make sure that whatever happened to them isn't also going to happen to you. Maybe they stepped in a puddle and there's high voltage running through that puddle. Well, if you run over there to help them, you're going to get zapped too. Or, or maybe they were attacked by a mountain lion. I don't know. It seemed like when you watched Lassie, there was a lot of mountain lions attacking people running around. So I don't know. When I was a kid, I was always thinking, man, i got to be ready for when the mountain lions come. Right? So maybe you see that guy and he's laying there, he's bleeding. Well, don't run over and help him. When the mountain lion's just sitting over there waiting for the next snack to come along, right? So we have to, um, we, we have to create uh, and take care of ourselves first, right? We create that silence. We hear from God. And when we do that, then we are able to speak into and pour into others. Mother Teresa said, we need to find God and he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is the friend of silence. Think about that. He's the friend of silence. See how nature, trees, flowers, grass grow in silence. See the stars, the moon and sun, how they move in silence. The more we receive in silent prayer, the more we can give in our active life. We need silence to be able to touch souls. The essential thing is not what we say, but what God says to us and through us. All of our words are useless unless they come from within. Words, words which do not give the light of Christ increase the darkness. So what she's saying there is you got to get quiet. you got to get still. you got to hear from God. Because if you don't hear from God, you're not able to feed into other people. How many of you guys have ever heard uh, a preacher and, and, and it seems like they return to the same topics over and over and over and over again? And sometimes that's because God has instructed them and said, hey, listen, um, you know, I, for instance, one of my pastors, he, he was all about uh, salvation. I mean, that's just what he talked about. He said that was, that was the, the ministry that God put upon my heart. I'm not here to build disciples. I'm here to convince people to make a commitment to Christ. And so that's what he focused on. That's what he preached on over and over again. But there are other people who they're not doing that because they, they, they're laser focused on their mission, but they're doing that because they haven't been getting a constant inflow. When you don't have an inflow, you get stagnant and you keep drawing from that same well again. You get on that same old soapbox that you love to stand on, right? Because you've got that argument down pat. We can't do that. We don't want to be that person. We want to be someone who's constantly being refreshed with new water, with new, uh, new sayings from God, with new wisdom, and then we can dispense that to others. Thomas Merton was, uh, was a Trappist monk from Kentucky, actually originally from France, but he spent most of his life here in Kentucky. And uh, they, they talked about, you know, well, why did you go and you become a monk, Right. I mean, monks, you're thinking like back in the Middle Ages, right? And, and you're thinking that sort of thing. So why would you want to come in the 19th century and become a monk? And he was talking about the early desert fathers. And he said, they knew that they were helpless to do any good to others as long as they were floundering about in the wreckage of humanity. I love that phrase, the wreckage of humanity. That's the truth, right? I mean, 
there's a lot of things where it's, things are just a wreck. I'm a wreck, right? There are days when it's like, you, you better steer clear of me because I'm not on my best, on my, doing my best today. I'm stumbling. I'm tripping. I'm not doing the things I should be doing. I'm not in tune with what God's trying to do in my life. And it's a wreck. And you better steer clear. When you're on the road, just uh, not too long ago, I was driving down the interstate, and uh, the, the interstate was, was five lanes wide at this point, and I was in lane number three, and I saw about half a mile in front of me, there was this uh, maroon Ford Explorer, and just out of nowhere, he jerks his wheel over, cuts across two lanes of traffic, slams into the concrete wall, and then bounces back into traffic. And then drives back over, slams into it again. Now, I don't know what was going on with this guy. I don't know if he fell asleep at the wheel or, or if, uh, you know, he was having some sort of medical issue. All I know is you saw all the cars start dodging, right? They start moving around. They're slowing down. They're ducking over to, these, uh, uh, over to, the, to the right-hand lanes. And they're dodging the, 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 there was a wheel in the middle of the road. And people are dodging this wreckage. As long as we're caught up in the wreckage, we can't move forward. We have to be focused. And so it's the same as if you're trying to save somebody who's drowning, right? You don't want to jump in to save somebody who's drowning when you're not a strong swimmer yourself, right? So what do you do? You, get, you stay where you're still on firm ground and you get that life preserver and you throw it in. Why? Because you're grounded. You're not out there floundering too. You can then throw that out and then you can pull the other one in. So we have to constantly be checking in with God, listening, because God wants to use you to speak to others. You know, I said God does not usually shout to be heard. One of the ways he will often speak is through the wisdom of a fellow believer, right? I mean, how many times have you guys received a word of wisdom? And sometimes it's not couched in those terms. I've had people come up to me and they say, listen, listen, brother Jonathan, I have a word from the Lord for you. I was praying. I was in my quiet time and God gave me this message for you. That's a, that was an awesome thing. When that person did that and, and said that to me, I said, man, that, that is so awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. And sometimes God has to do that to get through to you. Other times, he'll just put you around someone who's so in tune with him that it's like all you have to do is just follow along with what they're doing because you know that whatever they're doing, they're following God's plan and God's purpose. So God will speak to people in silence and then they can turn around and speak that into others. And I want to be the kind of person that God can speak into me so that I can feed into others. You know, the two main things is we're supposed to, to maintain a good relationship with God and a good relationship with others. We're supposed to flourish in our relationship with God and help others to flourish as well. And that's what I desire to do. In 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah. Elijah is one of the coolest prophets in the Bible. I mean, he just did all kinds of cool things. I love the whole uh, the showdown on, on top of Mount Carmel where, where he, he has the, the other prophets for, for Baal, and the, it's a competition, and, and Elijah comes out on top. I just love his audacity. I love how, how much faith he had to just say, hey, God, I need some fire down here, and boom, there it was. You know, well, shortly after that, we find Elijah out in the wilderness. He's he's down. He's depressed. He's like, God, I've done it. He said, I did what you asked me to do. I stood up to these to these other prophets. I won the battle. Right. But now he was being hunted. Now he'd made some enemies. And so he found himself in the desert. 
And I love it. I love how God spoke to him. He's out in the desert. He's alone where nobody else can talk to him. And that's when God got a hold of him and started jerking a knot in his tail, right? He said, Elijah, what are you doing out here? What are you doing out here? I called you to be my man. You're a man of God. You're anointed to, to point others to me. So why are you out here hiding in a cave? And Elijah said, everybody's trying to kill me. So God said, I want you to step outside this cave. I want you to go out on the mountain, and I'm going to speak to you. And this is the, the dramatic moment. You know, uh, It says right after that happened that there was a great wind that came, and it shook the cave, but God wasn't in the wind. And then there was an earthquake, and the cave was, was rattled, but God wasn't in the earthquake. Then there was a fire that came, and God wasn't in the fire. But then there was a still, small voice, right? And that's when Elijah knew, okay, God's ready to talk to me now. And so he went outside, and what happened? God spoke to him. God fed something into him. He, Elijah had to quit complaining. He had to quit worrying about himself. Oh, they're trying to kill me. He had to step out and say, okay, God, you wanted to speak. Speak. And what happened? God gave him instructions. He said, I want you to go to Hazael. I want you to anoint him to be king of Aram. He said, I want you to go to Jehu, and I want you to anoint him to be king of Israel, and I want you to go to Elisha, and he, he's, you're going to anoint him to replace you. And so because he listened, because he got into a place where he said, all right, I might not be having a good day. Things might not be going my way. I'm going to listen to God. And then God used Elijah to feed into others. Why? Because God's not going to shout to be heard, right? He could have spoken to him from the wind or from the earthquake or from the fire. But he was trying to communicate something to him and I believe to us as well. Because there's a reason that story was preserved. God wants us to become comfortable in the silence. Comfortable waiting to be heard. The last thing that, silent, that, that we want to say about silence is that silence must be created. It doesn't happen naturally. There was a, a gentleman named Wayne Oates. He was a psychologist and theologian. That was one of the cool things about him. He, he was very much involved in the study of psychology and how the brain works and those sorts of things. But he, he was a very committed Christian, very studied in the Bible. And, and he, he's actually the, the, the gentleman who coined the term workaholic. Um, you know, he, he said it's, a, it's an addiction, you know, and we get to this place where it has such a grip on us that it causes detrimental things in our lives. But what he said, he was talking about his personal health and about his spiritual health. And he said, silence is not native to my world. Silence, more than likely, is, is a stranger to your world, too. If you and I are ever to have silence in our noisy hearts, we're going to have to grow it. We're going to have to create it. You can nurture silence in your noisy heart if you value it, if you cherish it, and if you, what was the last thing, are eager to nourish it. There we go. When I'm quoting somebody, I want to make sure I get it right. But anyway, if you are going to have silence in your life, you're going to have to work for it. It's hard. Just as darkness is the absence of light, silence is the absence of sound, Right? Anybody ever walked over to a closet and you open the closet door and the darkness comes pouring out? No, that's not how it works, right? You go over and you open the closet door and the light pours in, right? Right? And it's the same way with noise, all right? And, and with distraction. When you walk over, you can open up the room to that soundproof studio, right? 
And does the, does the silence of the studio pour out in, onto you? No. The noise from outside pours in. So silence is something that is created. In, it's, it's, a negative, uh, it's, it's a negative feature, right? Not, not negative in the sense of bad, but just negative in the sense that you can't add something to it to make things more silent. So to sit in silence, it, it takes uh, willpower. It takes effort. It takes uh, a commitment to do that. Um, every time I try to have quiet time with God, um, it, it seems like instantly I start thinking of other things, right? I think of, well, I need to do this today. I need to do that. Or my phone will start ringing or someone knocks on my door. Or, I mean, it just seems like every time I try to get alone and to create some space where God can speak into my heart, something happens that, that is, is designed to distract me from it. And, and whether it's just the way life is because life is busy or, or whether it's because uh, Satan is trying to keep me from getting focused in on God, something uh, keeps me from having that quiet time with God. I have learned now, uh, whenever I try to do my Bible study time, when I'm getting ready to have some quiet time with the Lord and I'm going to spend some time uh, praying and studying, I, I, I put down my to-do list right next to me. And so then as I'm praying... And, and, and as I'm thinking and, and, and I'm getting in focused in on God and, and, and my mind starts rebelling against me, my mind starts saying, hey, don't you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to call this person back? What I do is I just write it down on my to-do list and then I keep going and I keep going. And so it's funny because in the middle of my quiet time, I might have added 10 things to my to-do list, but it was necessary for me to try and, and to create that space where God can speak to me. If we allow things to distract us, we'll never listen to God. Your, your brain will resist the noise, and it takes strength of will to, 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 to harness it and to say, listen, brain, we're going to spend some time listening to God. I don't care how many times you try to distract me. I don't care how many people call on my phone, right? Airplane mode was put on there for a reason. I'm going to put it in airplane mode, and I'm going to have some quiet time with God. And, and it's hard, it is. It's hard. I remember, I remember when I was younger, I felt really guilty one time because I decided I was going to have some quiet time alone with God right before bed, right? And I was probably, I was probably about Ben's age. I think I was probably about 14 or 15. And I remember I read my Bible and I prayed for a little bit. And I remember after like two or three minutes, I fell asleep. And like the next day, I felt so guilty about that. I was like, God, that was rude, right? I'm trying to have quiet time with you, and I fell asleep. And so I, like, I thought I'd done something wrong. But what I realized was is a couple things. One, I realized that nighttime quiet time is probably not for me. <laughs> and number two, I realized that I was in a state where I was so comfortable, right, that, that I was able to relax with God. But I, you do learn when it is uh, and when are good times for you to have quiet time. And that'll change throughout your life based off your work schedule, based off of the stage of life that your kids are in, uh, based off the, uh, the stage that your career is in, right? Uh, different things happen and, and they, will, uh, they will keep you from having that silent time. And if you are an active person, you, you have an even harder time now, what, what I say by active, I'm not talking about an active mind. There are people who have active bodies, right? You got to be moving, got to be doing things, right? It's like if I'm not doing something with my hands, then I'm going to go crazy, right? 
I mean, we've, we've felt that way before. I've, I've got to, I, I can't sit still, right? And if you're that kind of person, if God has wired you that way, me up here talking about how, how you need to have silence and quiet in your life, you're like, man, that is like torture. You might as well take me out behind the church and just beat me up right now because it ain't going to happen. It's not going to work. So, but, but just because you have that wiring, just because you have that temperament, that personality, doesn't mean that you don't still have to be intentional to say, God, speak to me. Any relationship that you're going to have takes an investment. If I want to have a good relationship with my wife, I have to invest time into spending time with her, talking to her. I talk to her about the things I'm thinking about. I listen to the things that, that she's concerned about. You know, it, it's, a, it's a give and a take. The same thing with my son. If I'm going to have a good relationship with my son, I have to set time aside. We'll set aside some time to do family stuff, but then I also have to create some time where it's just me and him. You know, we do our nerdy things. We play our video games and Star Wars games and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it's something that we can do that's, that's for us. And it's the same way. If I want to have a good relationship with God, I have to set aside time and, and, and make that a priority, Right? One of the things that has blown me away uh, over the last few years is like, I, I, I keep trying to get together with people, right? I'll say, hey, let's do lunch sometime. Or, or you know, when can we do this? Let, let's get together. And, and I'm, not, I'm just as busy as the rest of you guys. I really am. But sometimes you have to schedule something and you have to say, look, this is important. I'm not missing that, right? When one of your kids has a school play or a soccer game or something like that, if you're a parent and you value that, then you put that on your calendar. And when your boss says, hey, I need you to work some overtime on Tuesday, you say, I'm sorry, boss. I would love to work some overtime. I mean, who says no to free money, right? Or more money. This ain't free. You're working for it. But anyway, who says no to more money? But my kid's got a soccer game. And it might be the worst game of soccer I've ever seen in my life. Have you guys ever watched four-year-olds play soccer? It's interesting, right? All right. It might be the worst game of soccer in my life, but that game is important to me. And to him, too. That's right. But it's the same thing with God. When we have our quiet time, we have to schedule our quiet time with God. If we don't plan for it to happen, it's not just going to happen automatically. I had a friend for a while who we would repeatedly say, we need to get together and hang out sometime. We need to get together and hang out sometime. And, and every time we saw each other, man, this was so much fun. We need to get together and do this more often. And so you know what I started doing? I started whipping out my phone right then. Okay, how's next Tuesday sound, right? Why? Because once it goes on the calendar, once it's written down, it's more likely to happen. And we have to do the same thing with our quiet time with God. Why? Because although there are times when God will slap you around and he will jerk your attention away from whatever's distracting you, but most of the time, God does not shout to be heard. He speaks in the margin. He speaks in the silence and in the quiet. We can't give God our leftover margins of, of time. I mean... What does that say to God? I love you, God. You're the Lord of my life. You're the most important thing to me. My faith is what gets me through this life. But you can have the 10 minutes that are left after I you know, watch my TV shows and check the news and scroll through Twitter. You get, you get the 10 minutes that are left. That ain't going to fly, right? It wouldn't fly with your spouse. Why would we treat God any worse than we treat our, our, our spouse? So we have to create that silence. We have to create that time. And you've got to figure out what works for you. As I told you, my quiet time, evening quiet time does not work for me. It doesn't work for me. 
I'm a morning guy. I love to come in at 7 a.m. You want to know why I love coming in at 7? Because pastor's not here till 9. And I say that to joke, but in, in all seriousness, though, it's like once pastor gets here, you know, the, the office starts waking up at 9 o'clock. People start dropping by. We get knocks on the doors. We get phone calls. Man, I, if, if I'm trying to study at that time, I'll get nothing done. If I'm trying to, to pray and spend time with God, I won't have anything done. So you got to find what works for you. I know people who they have their quiet time in their car at lunch. They'll clock out. And they go out and they sit in their car and they eat their peanut butter and jelly sandwich and they play a, a praise and worship song and then they spend that last 30 minutes just praying and spending some time with God. Why? Because they've got four kids at home and, and they know as soon as they get home, it's going to be daddy, 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 right? So where are they going to find that time? They had to make that time. They had to sacrifice a little bit of their lunch time to have some quiet time with God. So you've got to find what works for you. So... Each of us must find that time that fits our life, fits our stage in life, and it fits our temperament. And why? Because God does not usually shout to be heard. If the musicians can come on up, we're going to get closer to, to closing this. But I want to revisit this, this text. You know, we started by reading from Psalms. And, uh, and, and, and it's, it's just so interesting to me. You know, we have to talk to ourselves sometimes. We have to remind ourselves of what's really important. You know, I have a list that I write down uh, at the beginning of each year. I, I write down some goals for what I want to do for my life. And, and I try to divide it up into the different hats that I wear. We all wear different hats, right? We're a mom. We're, we're a, a, a teacher. We're, we're a, a daughter or a son. You know, we, we have these different hats that we wear. We have these different areas of our life. And so I create, I try to create some goals for those different things. And Writing those goals down is great, right? But it doesn't do me any good if I don't take some time to go back and, and look at it and say, okay, well, how am I doing? Let, let's get centered back on what's important. We have to do that with God, and we have to do it every single day. In kids' church today, they're doing a special lesson called the first day of school because Bullet County goes back this week. JCPS starts the week after. And so what we're teaching them over there today is that it, it's, we have to put God first every day. Even though this is the first day of school, we have to put God first every day. You have to do that. Because if you don't, we drift. If you don't constantly check in with that North Star, you get off course. Right? And if God is truly important to us, we have to create some silence, create some times in our lives. And sometimes we don't want to. We don't want to. I don't want to be alone with God. I'm mad at Him. Or I don't want to be alone with God because I know He's going to point out this thing that I'm doing that is sinful. We don't want to be alone with God sometimes, but we have to do it because God wants to speak to you. He's trying to speak to you. But he's not going to shout to be heard. David wrote, I wait quietly before God, for my victory comes from him. David was reminding himself, if I'm going to be victorious, I've got to wait on God. I've got to listen to what he says to me. He said, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. If I am going to have any hope in this world, I have to still myself. I have to still my mind, I have to still my body, I have to still my spirit and say, God, speak to me. Let me hear you. 
God, I don't, I don't know how to deal with this situation. It's beyond me. And so we have to say, God, I don't have the answers, but you do. So speak to me. Or we'll see one of our friends or family members and they're struggling and, and we're like, God, I don't, I don't know how to fix their problem. I can't do it. So God, speak to me. Give me some words of wisdom that I can communicate to them that will help them hold on and to get through. But God's not going to speak if we're constantly running our mouths. God's not going to speak if we're so busy that we can't sit still for two minutes to listen to Him. How many of you all would like to hear more from God, to hear more frequently or more clearly His will for your life? I would. I would. So that's why I'm committing to create more silence in my life. Not because I'm being lazy, not because I'm, I'm being grumpy or, or I don't want to talk to anybody or I'm being antisocial, but because if I don't stay connected to God, I'm no good to anyone. How many of you all would like to, to hear from God for a specific need or request? You know, we have things going on in our lives. Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's a, a spiritual need or, or an emotional need or a relational need. We need to trust God and listen to what He says. So we're going to pray. We're going to pray, and then we're going to practice. We're going to practice some silence. And during that time, we're gonna, it's going to be uncomfortable. It will be. Your brain will resist, just like I talked about. You get to a place where you, you're like, are, are you done yet, brain? But we have to stay focused and create that silence for God to speak. Let's pray. Father God, we worship you in this house today. You are the Lord of our life. As David wrote, you are the source of our victory. You are the hope that we have. Lord God, forgive us for our sins of busyness our sins of distraction, Lord, of, of allowing other things to take our eyes off of you. Lord God, I pray that you would just be with us. Lord, we indicated by the raising of our hands, every single one of us wants to hear from you more frequently or more clearly. And God, I believe you want to speak to us more frequently and more clearly. Father God, I pray that you would touch those who are waiting on an answer Lord, some of us are struggling with some things that we, we just don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to, to, to do. We don't know where to turn for help. So, Lord God, we're, we're looking to you, not as a last resort, but, Lord, as, as the first and only option that is a hopeful one for us. Father God, as we enter into this time of silence, I pray that you would just speak to the spirits of everyone in this room. Lord, help us to still our minds, to still our bodies, and to spend just a few moments focusing on your presence and what you would have to say to us. And Lord, 
We are waiting for you to speak.